What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Daft Picks podcast. We had some technical difficulties for this show, so what we have for you is just a small snippet of the award show with our guests. Our hosting creator here is Chris, and we also have myself, Parker, and Wally, and we also have our special guest, Neil, as well as two friends calling in over the phone, Penny and Gino. So we're going to cut to our Canadian friend now. We're going to have Zach, Penny on the podcast, and Gino. Both are friends of the show. So, Penny... Why don't you tell us a little bit about your team? Uh, well, I'm from Toronto, Ontario, so I'm a, a home-raised Leafs fan. And Gino? I'm from uh, Long Island, New York, and I'm a uh, New York Islanders fan. All right, so we already talked about the Peter Shirelli stuff. We also already talked about the Columbus situation. Now we're going to try and get into the Angel Awards, but the best place to segue is the top free agent targets. And obviously your guys' teams are going to be affected by that. Before I turn things over to Birdo, Gino, we're going to have to start with you. Anders Lee, who is now your captain, what do you think about him? What do you think he's worth? And where do you think he's going to go? Anders Lee is what I believe is a very loyal player. He will most likely, I, I personally believe, get around 7 million, maybe 8 million. Um, he's probably most likely waiting till after the season to sign an extension, hopefully. Because, but... Lula Amaral does have a history of signing pending free agents as captains, aka Zachary Save with the Devils. So who knows if he will actually resign? And if he doesn't, I honestly don't know where he would go. Any team that just needs a very good net front presence, like scoring winger. Honestly, it could be the Hurricanes. Maybe. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Maybe the Senators. Who knows? Yeah. But I believe he resigns. I, I think so, too. And when you're named captain, obviously, it's sort of a prestigious thing, uh, especially for the Islanders, who have been you know, a really prestigious team. In Tell that to Ryan Callahan. Okay. And Ryan McDonough. <laughs> um, Penny, obviously, your team is a little less affected by uh, impending for agents. I'm just looking quickly here. Uh, other than, like, Ron Hainsey. But one guy you guys do have coming up uh, is Mitch Marner, who needs a contract. And Mitch Marner's camp has said that they will not sign a contract until Matthew's deal is done. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think they get both players are signed? And what number are you looking at? Well, I do believe that the Leafs will be able to pull off signing both. I mean, we currently still have around four and a half million cap left this year. Um, I think it's smart, though he's waiting till Matthews gets signed. Obviously, the media is attacking Marner right now, calling him meaner, <laughs> which <laughs> is quite funny. But And they're calling him selfish, but I don't know. I think Marner's going to sign again, and same with Matthews. I mean, I definitely know that they're going to get Matthews to sign. I mean, there's no way Matthews walks away from Toronto. Uh, like John Tavares did the Islanders, sorry, you know. But I mean, <laughs> it's okay. But you look at uh, Marner. I, I don't know. I mean, the thing was um, Nylander, That whole situation was kind of ugly. It seems like Marner is going to be similar. I don't know that they keep Marner. I definitely think they should. It's definitely up in the air, though. I think Marner's definitely got a better shot of leaving. That's not to say he's got a good shot, but better than Matthews. If he does leave, where do you think he should go? Yeah, well, Marner is doing like good. Obviously, he's got Obviously. more games played than Matthews. But he is a leading points on the Leafs right now with uh, 57. So yeah. it'd be smart to keep him. And I mean, to answer Wally's question, I don't know. I mean, what team in the NHL couldn't use Mitch Marner? I mean, we talked about Columbus. They could definitely use him. We talked about Edmonton. I mean, if anything, you'd have to look at the teams that have a lot of cap space available to not only take him, but also to perhaps sign him to an extension. And let's not forget, Kyle Dubas isn't dumb. Like He's obviously been a highly thought of GM for a while. He's sticking over for Lou Amarello. 
he's not just going to trade him away for nothing. Like There was apparently a thing at the draft where uh, back then they were advising them to take Noah Hannafin over Marner. Kyle Dubas had a hand in picking Marner. He's not just going to let him walk away. Marner's, if Matthews is the number one there, which I think he is, John Tavares and Marner are the number two and three. I mean, you can't let those guys walk. The Leafs are definitely cup contenders every year, and if they don't have at least two cups by the end of this tenure, I, I see it as a failure. But with Marner there, I doubt, I doubt they're not going to have at least a cup. Yeah, well, everyone always roasts the Leafs about the whole not winning a cup in so many years. So this hopefully next five years will at least pull one or two out. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, a couple other notable free agents this year. We already talked about Panarna Bobrovsky. Um, Eric Carlson, who just got traded to the Sharks this past year, he's up at the end of the year. Um, Mark Stone from Ottawa. Matt Duchesne from Ottawa. Jeff Skinner, who's going to command a Brink truck full of money. Joe Pavelski, Jake Gardner, who is going to affect the Leafs, and a lot of people think he's going to walk away. We said Lee, and obviously Wayne Simmons. Um, the one notable thing about these contracts, Wayne Simmons just came off a deal worth under $4 million. You look at Wayne Simmons' production over his career, he made 3.9. That is incredible. And wherever he goes next, it's going to be a lot more than that. Really? Yeah, that's a steal for Wayne Simmons. I mean, the I thing is like... with Wayne is that doesn't he have a lot of injury he's, issues he's right now? He's currently only at uh, 19 points on the season. Right. I mean, He's not exactly producing in a UFA year, just like uh, Jordan Eberle. He's not producing that good yeah, either in his UFA year. I mean, you, you got to remember, it's also more of like a what have you done for me lately kind of thing with players. I mean, you can't really bet on what they've done like in the past. You really have to look at what they've done recently. And I feel like that's something that might affect Wayne Simmons if he hits free agency. I mean, obviously, for sure. Uh, I mean, a couple guys, too. Um, you look at Miko Koskinen. I think he'll be a hot name this year because look at what he's done in Edmonton. He supplanted Talbot as a starter. He's just over a million from the KHL in a one-year deal from uh, last season. I think I won't say he's a starter in the NHL, per se, automatically, but I look at teams like maybe Carolina, who still needs goaltending, or Florida, who needs goaltending. Um, that would definitely be a, a good place for him to land. I mean, there's a lot of teams that can use goalies, let's be honest. There are quite a bit of uh, fraging goalies, too. Orlamov, Smith, Howard, Talbot. There's quite a few names that are going to be out there come July 1st. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, like, like you said, Howard, Howard's a big one, too. I think Howard's a big trade deadline candidate. Oh, absolutely. He absolutely is. And uh, I, I think another player that's kind of got a, a good chance of going somewhere else, Joe Thornton. I mean, it'd be sad to see the end of Jumbo Joe in San Jose, but I think it's time to get this man a cup. It's a smart move. He's, he's had his time there in San Jose for so long, even them losing to Pittsburgh and uh, a few years ago. He needs a change of space, a change of scenery. So, Now, Gino, let me ask you, because this is one I've been yes. uh, meaning to ask for a little while. Um, Robin Lehner, who's also pending UFA, uh, mm-hmm. do you, as I understand, would you rather the future of goaltending, at least in the interim, because I know you guys have guys on the pipeline, um, would you prefer Thomas Grice or Robin Lehner? I prefer Robin Lehner. Oh, I know I the answer to this. More this season to prove that he's the number one goalie in my eye. Just Thomas Grice has not shown enough these past couple seasons. He had that one great playoff series, but I don't see enough where I would want him over Lehner. Another notable free agent, probably one of the last ones we'll talk about, is um, uh, Derek Broussard for the Penguins. Big name there. Uh, really has burnt a lot of money this year. He, he's not producing in the role he was you know, traded for. He's not a great top center. He's not a great winger on Crosby's line. I mean, he's done okay, but the points just aren't there. I think at this point, I, I don't know if he resigns with the Penguins. If he does, it, I, the number's got to start with a three. Or Personally, I walk. I don't see Broussard 
worth it anymore to do that. You know what I mean? Any any thoughts on that? From yeah, well, first off, he's a center, and they're putting him out at wing. But he hasn't been excelling in either role with the Penguins. So I think they should just cut their losses. I think they should move him um, right before the trade deadline. We need – granted, the Penguins are coming back in the form right before the All-Star break. But, yeah, I, I do think we need to freshen up. He should leave. Well, and, and that's a good segue. Um, so coming away from the free agency, um, biggest buyers and sellers of the deadline is what I, uh, I wanted to get into today. So um, I'm just going to kind of go around the table here in roundtable fashion, and we'll get to you guys as well on the comms. But, um, Parker, we'll start with you. Biggest buyer and seller. Who's the biggest buyer? Who's the biggest seller at the deadline? Uh, oh, geez. Uh, the biggest buyer. Mm, oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> trying to think here. Uh, I'm not sure. But I think the biggest seller could be either the Kings or the Blue Jackets. Because, like you said, uh, they might be looking to move Panarin and uh, Bobrovsky. And with the Kings, I don't see why they wouldn't just tear down their roster and then try to start from scratch. Because you got to think that their whole core is above the age of 30. So, and it's clearly not working anymore. So might as well see what you could get from them. Because they're still good players, but you just can't put that many aged players on the same team. I'm going to throw this out there. You saw Ben Bishop get traded a while ago. Schneider, Luongo, guys who were kind of aging. Goalies. Uh, I'm not saying it would happen, but don't be surprised if Jonathan Quick's name isn't at least out there at the deadline. He's, he's not that close to the end of a deal. But, I mean, he's still a feasible goalie, and a team like Calgary who's been struggling, come on, Jonathan Quick, like that brings some veteran leadership from a goalie? I'm just tossing it out there. But what about Big Save Dave? <laughs> Big Save Dave. Dave <laughs> uh, So we're going to – so uh, Wally, I guess you're – The biggest selling team, I, I have to agree with Parker, would be uh, – no, I was saying the St. Louis Blues. They, they need to free up cap space. They need to – they currently are in all sellout mode, as, as I have been saying on the past couple shows that we've released. They have everybody available. They want to move people. They need to freshen up. Um, the team that I think would have to would buy more people. I want to say I want to say the Senators. The Senators need to get back in the um, want to be contenders more in the playoffs again. After what happened um, two years ago in that in the playoffs, I want to see them actually go back in the form. So Neil, um, for biggest seller, I'm not really too certain on where to go uh, for that. Uh, but I know for a fact the biggest buyer is probably going to be the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators uh, have a terrible offense and a terrible defense. So they need to recover, uh, especially if they want to get to the playoffs. Because right now they're, they're essentially like a one-man army. So I, they really need to, to buy. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, I, I guess personally... Did you, you give your sell already, right? Did I miss that? Or you got your buyer as well, right? A buyer. I'm not really too certain for seller. Okay. Uh, I mean, personally, for me, the biggest buyer, I think it's sort of a tie between the Calgary Flames and the uh, New York Islanders. These are both fringe teams who need to get back in the playoffs. The Flames more so than the Islanders because they've had a lot less recent success. I think the Flames have a good chance in that conference. And then you look at the Islanders, they definitely are a playoff team, French playoff team. They had low expectations to start the year. Gino, I know you were a chip on your shoulder for that. I won't get to you for there. But, um, and I, I mean, as far as sellers, I don't know for certain. To me, I think the biggest seller has got to be somebody like L.A. or Florida. I, I just think a team that's not competing right now gets some assets back. Not even rebuild, just reset. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, now that I think about it, uh, I think... Oh, man, I just lost. Oh, wait, no, I got back. Okay. The one, one of the teams I think that could be a buyer is maybe the Buffalo Sabres. That's a good one. I mean, I could definitely see them trying to acquire more depth down the middle, and especially, like, with, like, the wings. Because outside of uh, 
Jeff Skinner, who they have on wing. That, that's true. And you can't just have Eichel running the show still. So, um, yeah. well, uh, Gino, who, who do you think? All right, so let's see. For biggest biggest sellers, the Kings have to be one of them. Next year, they're only gonna their cap hit's gonna be a little over seventy four million, and that roster is not getting any younger. It is a lot of old players with big caps. Brown five point eight million, Carter five point two. It's a very rough, very cap heavy team, and very old. Forgive so me if I I'm wrong. Be a seller. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Just to interrupt you a little bit, pretty sure they still, even though he got traded to I think Washington or something, pretty sure they still have half of the books from Mike Richards <gasps> on the buyout. Oh Correct. god, they still have one point three. I mean, that's still yeah, it's still something. Yes, um, I also believe the Blues also because they have for next season still have sixty million cap hit. Which a large chunk of loss will be the defenseman, but that team honestly needs just needs just tear it down and just rebuild, build around Pareko because he's a stud, but Trey Pietrangelo, Paycheck Tarasenko, you just gotta just start shipping contracts and just start rebuilding because that team is not going anywhere. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt, but I mean, like, duo. for for sure. And Jake Allen, is not number one. Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, I don't know. Um, for sure, like Jake Allen, he's not really. I wouldn't even say he's like necessarily number two. I don't know what he is. Like I, he's had I flashes. Fringe as a fringe number two. I think he's in the same situation as like Cam Talbot or but. Mike Smith now. But I mean, they have a lot more years on them, and they've they've been there. Jake Allen is twenty four, twenty five. I think something like that. He's like in his mid twenties. He's, he's 28. 20, okay. He's still so younger, you know what I mean? I know. I can see him being like a Pete Mrazek, where he's just like a spot starter, but he can't be, be anything more than that because he doesn't have the consistency to warrant being out there more than he is. Yeah, I, I think he's one of those goalies, sort of like Mark Andre Fleury or Carey Price, who are um, sort of got that, like, every now and again they get that kind of mental fugue where they kind of just get in this funk and they, they can't break out of it. And... I mean, it's just something that happens to anybody in pro sports, but I, you got to overcome it. Um, so, P- Penny, who were you thinking uh, as far as, um, you know, buyers and sellers? Um, I was thinking buyers is probably definitely senators, as was said. I mean, they're just not performing. Like, it's not the all-star break yet, but they're 17 and 23. They're sitting just above the Red Wings in their uh, division, right? So I feel like they need to get something going on there. For sure. And definitely for sellers, I go with the Kings as well. They're at the bottom of the Pacific. I mean, I don't know. They're not doing too hot. They used to be a good team. I believe the Senators need to buy so that their number one, their uh, first overall pick doesn't become... Colorado's? First overall <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't become Colorado's first overall pick. They kind of have to play good enough so that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, I mean, this is sort of a poor segue into the next thing, but we're going from <laughs> sellers to uh, the all-star votes for players. Um, this is obviously uh, the mid-season sort of rankings, so I'm going to give everybody a second to get them up. Uh, so obviously, the, the, the leaders in certain categories are going to be different than other ones. Uh, I, I know there's a pretty big discussion right now about the Hart candidate. Um, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of candidates for the heart this year. I will say that there's like I think you look at Sidney Crosby who is like fourth tied in scoring. I don't think like a 15 way tie or something like that. Like scoring is up this year. So uh, we'll uh, we'll start off with the heart candidate. Who do you uh, Parker? I mean, we'll start with you. We'll do the same thing. Who do you think has got the heart? Mm, I think it could be McKinnon. I mean, if you just look at all the top lines in the NHL. Um, that trio of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen is just th- – there's no one else that's even close to him, not even the top line in, in Boston. And uh, I, I think he was a little bit uh, – uh, I feel like he should have gotten it last year. But I definitely think this year could be the year that he could get it. If not him, then probably Kucherov because Kucherov's had he, – he's like – he was the first player since, uh, what, I believe it was Yager to have 70 points in the first, uh, what, 40 games of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's, it's pretty that's, incredible. That's nuts. Like, I've Two been, different eras. Never seen that before. I mean, um, like, uh, we'll see, Neil, you want Well, for me, I, I, I'm uh, actually very conflicted on who I think would get it. I, I would either say it would be Nikita Kucherov or it would be Connor McDavid. Uh, my reasoning for Kucherov is that he's essentially like a catalyst for the Bolts' offense. Like, Let's be honest here. The Bolts have a really good offense, but he is such an asset. If they lose him, it's a crucial loss. For instance, in 42 games, he scored 69 points, and he's leading nice. the 26 power play points this entire Very season. Nice. Um, he has the highest points per game among all the average players. And, uh, I mean, it, it would be a mistake if he wouldn't get it. But if you get Connor McDavid, I mean, he is one of the absolute best players in the league. Uh, the only drawback is he's playing on the Oilers. I, I essentially view Connor McDavid as like uh, the guy in mythology known as Atlas, where Atlas carries the world on his shoulders. I have a feeling that McDavid carries the Oilers on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. So it depends. If, if they're going um, with uh, overall team performance, then Kucherov will get it. But if they go around with absolute performance on the team, on and off as an individual, I think McDavid would get it. I'm gonna go along with Neil here and just say McDavid. It's it it consi- he consistently shows every year that he is willing to put his be be one of the best players on the ice every single time he steps out there, and it, it shows along with his continuous scoring and the most points per year um, ever since he's been in the league. You you can't just. As I, as Neil said, he puts the team on his shoulders. You're not just going to sit there and watch your team crumble around you and not be the best you can be. I mean, personally for me, my heart candidate is... I mean, McDavid's obviously one of the top guys. He just seems to make points appear. A very interesting candidate here for me, Sidney Crosby, who, like I said, is tied for fourth or something like that. He's got a lot of points, and the thing with Crosby is he seems to always get in these late-season runs when the Penguins need him the most. I know he's got like a, I want to say it's like a twelve point deficit on the lead or like eighteen something like that. Those are points Crosby can make up very quickly. I truly believe Sidney Crosby will be the heart candidate at the end of the season. I want to pu- I, I pulled up something back from uh, late November, but yet for some reason here in this article that I pulled up from ESPN, they they had here down that John Gibson was leading in that category for the for the heart trophy here. What, what do you guys say about that? I well, mean, I don't see why not because. John Gibson faces artillery fire every single night he's on the ice. <laughs> because his defense is terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, look at their coach. 
I mean, oh, what's the name of the coach? I forget his name, but he used to be in Toronto. But his team's always known for letting up. Randy Carlisle. Like, he lets up like 30, 40 uh, shots a game. Anaheim let up se- uh, six goals last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins in a 7-4 loss. Wait. So. Wait. <laughs> wait. They, yep. <laughs> yeah. They, wait. they were outscored 6-1 in the third period. Wait, how did the Ducks put up six goals when the, they no, lost? No, four. the Ducks put up four goals. Okay. Oh, 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 okay. On Matt Murray. Now, let me just uh, jump in here and say the last three goalies who won the Hart Trophy, the 2014-15 season, which was Carey Price, 2001-2002 mm-hmm. for Jose Teodor, <laughs> and then we have to go back to 97-98, 22 years for Dom Hasek, who won it back-to-back. Who? Oh. Dominic Hasek. Yeah, well, he doesn't know who that is. Yeah, I don't. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> Dominic Hasek. Yeah. One of the best goalies of all time. Mr. Cage. The you best. Know, the best goalie The dominator. Of all time. Buffalo's Lord and Savior <laughs> for literally his entire career, and then kind of Detroit. But, all right. Top three goalie of all time. No, Un- no he's the best goalie of all time. Un- don't <laughs> at me. Don't at me. This, uh, before we get too far into heart sorry. candidates, I want to give a hot take that I'm going to address later in the show. I have information. I'm making a hot take today. Matt Murray is on pace to be better than Patrick Waugh. We'll get back to that later in the show. Oh, boy. But we're, we're, we're going to continue with the award candidates. Um, He's not even the best goalie on his team. Now, as far as... That's, that's, uh, that's rude. Um, <laughs> Especially to a Pens fan. Here. Now, the next, the next uh, candidate we're obviously going to go to is the Rocket Richard. Um, uh, before anybody gives theirs, I just want to give one thing. Alex Ovechkin, who is not really in the point race, he has, uh, I think it's like 47 points? He's got 17 assists, 32 goals. He's on pace to hit like 58 goals or something like that. Alex Ovechkin is still one of the best. So, uh, same thing. Uh, I I don't want to be that guy that bets against Ovechkin, but I mean, I just love doing that. That's just what I do. I think... The Rocket Richard is going to go to either Jeff Skinner or uh, Braden Point. Braden Point is on fire right now. And Jeff Skinner, who's feeding him the puck? Think about it. True. I really think Jeff Skinner has a solid chance to get it. Now, before we go to Neil, I've been informed that I've uh, sort of failed to uh, go to our radio guests about the heart. So my bad. Sort of a bad hosting moment for me. You know, we all kind of get our Oscar moment. So, Gino, who did you think was going to win the heart? I believe if the Blackhawks somehow pull this off and make it to the playoffs, I personally believe Patrick Kane. Or, because he's Patrick Kane has just been lights out this season, just like he is every season. Or, if the Islanders somehow get into second, second place in their division... I'd even consider Matthew Barzal as a, a hard candidate. Oh boy! In my, in my eyes, I knew you were going to say that. The Islanders fans and watching them. Uh, Patty, how about you? Um, well, as you said, Crosby may have a nice late run like he usually does. Right. But Kucherov is killing it this year. I mean, you look at Tampa, and it's like you got like I think he's going to get it. He's having an amazing season. Already at seventy points. The thing is with Kucherov is that he's surrounded by like Steven Stamkos, Steven Stamkos, yeah. Braden Point, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Andre Vasilevsky. Like I mean, he just has so many players around him that are also playing really good that I think that's going to work against him. This is also going to go into the uh, the Jack Adams trophy discussion about that later. Okay. 
Um, so back to the rocket then, uh, Neil. You had a. I would say uh, Patrick Lane. Line. I don't know how to pronounce this. Right. Ooh. It's Finnish. Yeah. Um, he he, could, got, he, he could really finish, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so he pretty much scored 18 goals in November, and he was, I believe, the fourth youngest person in the NHL to reach 100 goals. Uh, he got 21 markers through just 26 games this entire season. Uh, he's an absolute performer. I think he would get it 100%. Okay. Ovi. I, I'm saying Alexander Ovechkin. Shocking. No. <laughs> The, the way he's performing this year, he, he's also currently now tied with Sidney Crosby um, with 1,169 points overall in their career. So um, I, I, the way he's performing this season is if he, keep, if he keeps up with all this goal scoring, he's going to win that. So, um, bit controversial here, but uh, he's only behind by three goals. We're going to go with the snake from Toronto, John Tavares. I really think... At the end of the season here, he's heating up. He did a great job keeping the Leafs in it when Matthews got hurt twice now, whatever it was at the start of the season. John Tavares is an obviously a capable finisher, regardless of what you think of him personally with that whole Islander situation. John Tavares, great finisher, world-class goal scorer. Really think he's going to do it here. Uh, how about you guys? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with the, uh, the John Tavares take. As much yeah. as I despise the man, <laughs> I do believe that he will win the... Uh, Considering he has been very close to winning it on multiple occasions throughout his career, I think this is the year that he'll actually do it, to my dismay. As a tear well, slowly rolls down his face. I got a hope for Tavares. I mean, if Leafs win the cup and Tavares gets the most goals, it'll we'll just be too good. It'll just be too good to be true. Come on, buddy. You got to go through Boston first. Get, yeah, get past Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, I guess the next... Uh, we're only going to go through a couple trophies, because let's be honest, it's kind of pointless to go through all of them. We're going to hit the uh, Norris next. Uh, so, thoughts on the Norris, Parker? Obviously, we're going to start with you again. Uh, this one I've been struggling with, because I keep going back and forth, because there's a lot of defensemen that are really super comparable with one another. But I'm going to go with Mark Giordano. Okay. I mean, he's definitely one of the best defensemen in the league. He is underrated. On a, he is on a tour right now. Underrated. He's underrated. He's 35 years old, and people are finally starting to realize that he's one of the best defensemen in the game. And let's be honest, the Flames wouldn't, wouldn't be as good as they are right now if he wasn't playing the way he was right now. And everything you ask him to do, he could do. He could do it all on the ice. Well, he goes back to that prototypical defenseman discussion we had earlier. He is the prototype defenseman in the NHL. He can score, he can hit, he can block, he can fight. He can do everything. Um. So I have three people in mind, and uh, the third one is probably going to be a little bit more controversial, but I'll explain why when I get to him. Oh boy. So the first oh one's going to be the third round pick by the Pens in 2005, Chris Letang. Okay. Uh, Chris Letang is arguably having his best season so far. Um, he's tied for the third most goals by a defenseman with a total of 10. Uh, he's sixth among defensemen with 37 entire points. 38. It's 38 now? Mm-hmm. 38 now. And he uh, is tied for the f- most ice time, uh, which uh total of 26. I, that's a good point. Um, one fun fact about Crystal Tank. He's been, I mean, for as long as I can remember, he's always been a Norris candidate, but he's never won. I don't know that he'll ever have that moment, but I do think this might be the year if it is. So, continue. Absolutely. One of the more likely candidates I'd probably say would be Morgan Riley from Toronto. 
uh, since he's very proficient in, in scoring. He leads all defensemen with 13 goals this entire year, and he's actually on track to break the Leafs' most uh, points recorded by a defenseman uh, by, it was Ian Turnbull in 1976. Really? Um, but the problem is, the reason why I can't see it doing it is, is because the Norris Trophy is about all-rounded defensemen. And it, it's supposed to be. Supposed to be. But how, how many times are you telling me the, the Brent season? Burns. First of all. <laughs> Eric Carlson. Drew, Drew, Drew Doughty, when he won it, first of all, wasn't even the best season. He had this, the best season the year before. He just kind of got his uh, Leonardo DiCaprio moment when he got it the next season. It's very rarely ever about the best all-rounder. For whatever reason, they just go, hey, you have points. It's strange. I, I mean, if it's all-around, I would definitely go with Chris Letang. But, I mean, Morgan Riley would... I think he's going to be the most likely. I agree. But the third one, I mean, this is probably going to be the most controversial, would be Eric Carlson from the Sharks. I don't disagree with you. You look at... He, listen, he had a really rough start to his San Jose career. And that's to be expected. You know, he's coming off of another sort of injury-ish season... Uh, his ankle still isn't fully repaired. There's actually a thing that he can't turn right as fast as he can turn left or something like that because of his ankle. Interesting. And you look at that team like, I mean, he's getting used to a new team, but he's on, I think, he or he just was on like a 15-game uh, sh- streak of like assists. He's picking it up, and th- you can't ever bet against EK. Exactly. I mean, look at his season last year when, I mean, he had the ankle injury. He was dealing with his owner's uh, drama. And he also had the locker room drama with uh, Mark Stone when, when, his, when his kid died. Uh, well, that was, that was Mike Hoffman's uh, girlfriend. Oh, Mike Hoffman's? Uh, I think it was like, something. Oh, sir, yeah. I must have yeah. mixed up the names. Yeah, you're good. Uh, so, like, him and Mark Stone. Yeah, that's right. Him and Mark Stone were essentially. Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman. Wasn't it Mark Stone who uh, was. No. No, his. Uh, no, no, Mark Stone was, was the only Hoffman. other guy that, like, pretty much performed oh, on yeah. the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I was trying to get okay. at. Trying to segue off that comment. Okay. That's yeah. Okay. So, like, even with all that drama and issues still going on, it. He put up 62 points in 71 games. Yeah. So he's pretty much proving that he's a really efficient player. And, I mean, this season, though, I mean, sure, he's had the rough start with the Sharks, but, I mean, he's got more assists than Latang. He's got more power play points, though it's a small margin, less penalty minutes, and he has more points overall. They really only differ in two specific areas. So, I mean, if you're coming down to those three picks... In my opinion, I would say Carlson's more likely to get it based on all roundness if they end up going to that route. Yeah, I can't ever break into EK65, you know? I'm going back to what Neil first said. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with Chris Chang here. You, you, you <clears throat> He may only have 38 points this year. Last season he had 51 with 42 assists, currently 28 this year. Go, uh, I want to say two weeks before the All-Star break. Am I, am I correct with that? But... um. You're continuously in the talk for this. You show up every day and you're willing to perform at a high standard as you are. You're constantly on the first line there with the Penguins, moving the puck around the ice either to Gensel or to Crosby. But I think Chris Letang has a chance of winning it this year. Um, I'm probably going to be the most different here. I, my first assumption was Morgan Riley, but I do think the offense in Toronto is more important than the defense. And I think... As they start to pick it up, now that everybody's healthy, now that Newlander's there, he'll be required to do less. I think he's a product. Not that Morgan is a bad player, he's a great player, but I think his increase in points is directly related to Newlander not being there and seeing more ice time, more power play time. I think when you look at um, defenseman who can win the Norris, I'm going to go with Thomas Chabot from Ottawa. He's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. He's only a few points back of the lead. He's got 38 points. The leader's Brett Ferns with 50. He's only a couple points back. If it, if it comes down to it, it's a point or two off. 
I think you'd see Thomas Chabot. He's a rookie defenseman who's about to hit 50 points. When was the last time that happened? I, I don't remember Ekblad doing that. I think he had like 40. But I mean, you look at like, even like Noah Hannafin, Thomas Chabot is the Ottawa Senators. He, he, he stepped right into Eric Carlson's shoes. Performed perfectly. Yeah, those are hard uh, shoes to fill there. For sure. Filling in for Carlson. So, uh, Gina, how about you? Don't, don't say Nick Letty, please. <laughs> Johnny Boychuk. <laughs> definitely Adam Pellick, for sure. Yep. Um, definitely. <laughs> Devon. Devon, thank you very much. Um, uh, I'm, Giordano's honestly should definitely be in top three in voting for me. Um, I'm going to say maybe even Sean Carlson. Oh, very, that's a good one. He flies under the radar, I think, a little bit more compared to other, like, elite defensemen in the league. Or maybe even... I'm going to... You know what? Wild card. Char- Charlie McAvoy. I'm gonna I mean, it. maybe because he's a good all-rounder, you know? He's a very good all-round defenseman in Boston. So, you know, I even say McAvoy. All right. How about uh, Putty? I mean, I would back you. I mean, being a rookie D-man, hitting 50 points per season... Would be pretty uh, awesome to see, yeah. but it, I wouldn't mind seeing Latang or Riley. I feel like they're both putting up numbers now. For sure. And I feel like I feel like Riley may you said he may fall off on points a bit now that everyone's back. Right. I mean, I think like I think he's earned himself kind of to like get the playing time. I mean, like, I yeah, feel like for sure. Not, you know what I mean? I feel like they're going to continue putting him out there when uh, they get the chance to. Um, the last two awards we're going to cover today is the Vesna, and we're going to cover the Jack Adams. So we'll, we'll go to the Vesna to keep it the players. Parker, who's your Vesna candidate? Well, you already know who I'm going to say. I'm going to say. Oh, I wonder who. I'm going to say John Gibson, and I'm going to bang the table for this. No goalie has to shoulder their team as much as John Gibson has to, and he still has a safe percentage of upwards of 920, and he has a goals against of like two point something. I, I don't remember the exact number. But the fact that he's putting up elite numbers, comparable to the other the other goalies that are going to be mentioned, with much less help around him, I th- I think he I think I think he's a lock. I mean he he reminds me of uh, the the pitcher from the Mets, the Degrom. The yeah, I mean Jake Degrom played fantastic. You know how many wins he had? Like fourteen. Eight. Eight, 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 or fourteen. Eight. Just uh, John Gibson is literally the Jake Degrom. Of just hockey just to right give now. you a stat line, uh, here's John Gibson's stats for the season. He's currently sitting at fifteen wins, which is that's a fault of his team, not his own. Um, he's got a two seven two GAA, and he's got a save percentage of nine thirteen, which is uh, sorry nine twenty nine twenty. Um, that which is league average. He, only problem I see with John Gibson winning it, he's got one shutout. So, oh, sorry, team, that's really the team in front of him, but. Yeah, yeah, well, but he, if but you're he's also still, looking at his stats, he's also uh, got over a uh, thousand shots against this season. Yeah, last season, artillery he fire, like he said. Yeah, he had 103 shots. Because last sure. season, he had 1,800 yeah. shots against, and we're just nearing the all-star break, and he's at 1,200. Crazy. So, I mean... Like for my pick for the Vezina Trophy, I, I would have to agree with Parker on uh, John Gibson. I mean, he's faced more shots than anybody uh, this half of the entire season. Uh, I mean, I would call him like the Great Wall. I mean, he's literally <laughs> impenetrable with the point nine two three percent. It's for Dave John Gibson. For 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 both uh, Anderson and Gibson, 
So he's unstoppable. Uh, his GSAA is the best in the entire league, and his high danger save percentage is second best among goalies who average 1,500 minutes on ice. Ring the bell. We just got our first fancy stat of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, Fre- Frederick Anderson also, I mean, he's tied with Gibson for the .923 save percentage. Uh, he averaged us uh, 1,780 minutes in 30 games, and he's 20 and 9. So yeah. both are very likely. Steady Freddy. I, I want to say Andre Vasilevsky here. Okay. He-, he He's currently sitting with a .925 um, save percentage on the year, and yet he's also keeping the bolts. Um, I believe they're still currently in first place in the Atlantic Division here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's. Well, what, what do you mean by you believe? They're in it by a pretty wide margin. I'm currently eight or nine points at least, right? Yeah. Well, oh, it's more than that. I'm Is sorry. It? I'm I'm currently focused on the Metropolitan, not the Atlantic. There, Mister Bolts fan buddy well, over let's there. Let's back to the so, uh, But yeah, I I want to say I want to say Vassy with that. So. Uh, the the problem with Vassy is that I don't see him getting it unless if he gets to uh, the wins record that was set by uh, Holpe. Well, I mean, well, Holpe and... Uh, oh, God, I'm forgetting names today. But yeah, but if he doesn't get 50 wins, I don't see him getting it because it's he's really a product of the team around him. I mean, you have Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough as your defenseman. You have two number one defensemen on your team. Of so, course he's going to put up. Well, here's the thing. He's, well, he's also not facing artillery fire like Gibson. So you're not going to expect him to face a lot of shots, as exactly. you said. Exactly, so he's got a much higher save percentage because well, well, he's not be facing as many shots. In only 24 games, he's faced 800 shots. That's a pretty decent amount of shots. I yeah, mean, but when you look at Gibson, he's already at 1,200. He doesn't play like 38 games. That's yeah, because also his sure. defense is like Swiss yeah. cheese. I, I mean, personally for me, as far as Vesna goes, it's usually one of the wins leaders. I mean, Mark Henry Fleury, who's got... Actually, better stats than John Gibson, former he's, Penguin. He's got a two point four eight goals. Yes, against. we know he's a former Penguin. <laughs> he's got we a, always say this about him: a, a two point four eight goals against average, as well as a nine twelve save percentage. Yeah, the save percentage is a little lower than you'd like it to be, but that goals against average is more telling to me than the save percentage is. Not to mention, he's got six shutouts on the season already and twenty five wins. Mark Flores putting up another Vesna candidate season in Vegas. Who, I, I mean, I think you can attribute that poor save percentage to his defense in front of him. Then have Nate Schmidt, who is arguably their, their best defenseman. For a couple games there, for after, like at least a quarter of the season. Uh, no, I, I'd say their best defense is probably Shea Theodore. Mm. Uh, I you know about you. No, this might be a little biased. Oh, Actually, boy. I'm going to say if he plays a lot more games than his backup, Robin Lanner. Oh, boy. Or <laughs> <laughs> Why even insert a laugh track? You can just do that. <laughs> Robin Lanner has a 2.22 goals against. Yeah, but he's played like 16 games. He's not eligible. He played 22 at the moment. He, he's he is eligible. eligible. He is, is he? eligible. Yeah, let me compare. Vasilevsky only has 24 games. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Block 24. Anderson, 30. And I mean, let's be honest. Laner is basically yeah. the starter there. Like he's he's supplanted Grice. He's least. taking he's taking over as, as he should. He's won nine games in a row, like uh, a, a one goals against or some absurd number in that time. I honestly don't think that's that bad of a pick. I just think personally, when you look at the Vesna, I don't think Laner's going to get many votes. I don't think yes, it's absurd to think of it, but I, he's yeah. not going to get the yeah. He just doesn't have the name recognition right now. Exactly. Ultimately, that's a lot of what it comes down to. And right. let's face it, the NHL is uh, even though it's a what have you done for me lately league, it goes based on older stats. And Laner, this is really his. He wasn't bad at Buffalo. He was definitely good. But yeah, he had like a nine twenty save percentage in Buffalo, and they ran him out of town. But but. 
the, the thing with Landers, yep. he's also very streaky. So, uh, and how about you, Penny? Who's your best pick? Well, I, I dare say back. Yeah, Gibson. Gibson. Okay. But uh, I would I wouldn't mind seeing Flurry win it. I mean, he's doing really solid now in Vegas, sure. and if he stays on pace, he's gonna have a amazing year or amazing finish. I mean. Um. So, uh, and the last award we're gonna get to tonight is the uh, Jack Adams. So, uh, Parker, what about you? Jack Adams. Oh wait, what, what's that one? That that's the coach. That's the coach. coach. Oh man, this one's tough because there's like a few you could give it to. Like I think John Cooper would be a good candidate if Tampa manages to set the the uh, wins record. But I think you can make a really good case for either Barry Trotz or uh, Phil Housley with the Sabers, or even Peters with the Flames. I mean, mm. really, if you look at it. Like, like, no one expected the Sabres to do anything this year. But I wouldn't really want to give it to Housley because I don't really believe in giving it to a coach who turns around his team for one season. I would rather give it to someone who has more of a sustained uh, winnage, so right. to speak. So I'd probably give it to Cooper or Trotz. As for which one, I, I really don't know. I think they're both equally deserving. Um, I, I would have to say Phil Housley, uh, going off of what Parker said. Uh, Phil Housley, uh, again, I mean, he turned the Sabres from last place in the Eastern Conference to fourth place in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference. I mean, that's still an impressive feat, because let's be honest here, the Sabres were god-awful last year. And, I mean, now they got Casey Middlestat as well as Rasmus Dahlin. So he's clearly turning them around for good. If he could keep it going, then, yes, definitely, definitely put him in for Coach of the Year. But I mean, as Parker said, I mean it's only one season. It is hard to tell whether or not he could keep that progress going or not. But I would still say for right now, Phil Housley or even John Stevens uh, for the Kings. Wait, what? John? <clears throat> Ste- wait, he he got fired. Wait, what? John, John Stevens well, is fired. Am I thinking well, of the wrong guy? Yeah. I might yes, be thinking of the wrong sir. guy. My bad. Uh, just one quick note: we uh, we seem to have lost audio on the guys in the comms, so we're gonna try to get that figured out before we get them back on here. Okay. I, I want to say, continuing on with that, uh, I want to say uh, Barry Trotz. Uh, coming off of a uh, Stanley Cup winning season with the Washington Capitals, and you get moved over to uh, the New York Islanders, and you're bringing that team back to life. You're, you're giving it some hope. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I want to go with, go with that. So, uh, Chris? Um, my personal pick for head coach is going to be uh, the Capitals' Todd Rudin. I think, I mean, honestly, you, you take a team like that, who are uh, not necessarily the... You know, they weren't really expected to compete as hard this year. Losing Barry Trotz, you know, an aging core. They lost a couple of free agents. I think Todd Rudin's done a great job, and he was obviously Hello. hand-picked. Uh, we do have Penny and Gino back, by the way. We do have oh, them on yeah, the audio. I thought, I thought so, my audio... No, you we, we, we did, but we got you back. So um, uh, so we'll go to Gino next. Who's your, who's your coach? There you go. We'll, we'll go to Gino. Is there like a pause in the podcast, or is it over? <laughs> nope. Uh, Penny, can you hear us? Uh, I believe we've lost them, so I'm not entirely sure. All right, my uh, my Jack Adams pick is probably could just be signal interference nice. from the it's, long uh, distance, but not too certain. It's got to be Barry Trotz because this team, this Islanders team, is expected to just compete for the lottery pick, and yeah, he turned. Robin Laner's basically career around. We've given up like 100 less goals against. I just, I firmly believe Barry Trotz should honestly win the Jack Adams. For sure. 
Nothing against, nothing against John Cooper, but his team's already stacked to begin with. So Barry Trotz is your pick? Yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, sorry for the little bit of technical difficulty we had there. I know you could probably hear those guys as well as us kind of talking interchangeably. We, we did get the connection back. So uh, sorry for the technical difficulties there. And uh, unfortunately, Punny was saying hello to nobody for about 20 seconds there. So Punny will go to... Walter. Punny will go to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. What? So, so uh, Punny, we'll go to you for your pick. Um, you know, as much as I'm not like an Islanders fan, I wouldn't mind having Gino's coach Barry Trotz. win it. Yeah. Barry Trotz, yes. But I mean, I feel like if the Leafs like win the cup, like obviously I'm biased. I think the Leafs are winning the cup. So. Okay. Well, you know what? Good for you, Bunny. I feel like I feel like he's gonna deserve the keep those dreams alive trophy. Oh yeah, has Babcock ever won it? Uh, yeah, I think with Detroit he won it. I believe in. Yeah, he doesn't want it with Detroit. Detroit, So um, with that, we're going to skip away from the awards. Uh, Those were our award picks. I'm sure they're pretty hot takes, and we'll come back to them at the midseason award show in June. So uh, the last thing we're going to get to today is uh, the hot seat coaches. So we just talked about the good coaches, which is why I wanted to wrap on them. So here's the, in my opinion, the top three hot seat coaches: uh, Borube in St. Louis, who. Unfortunately, he inherited a bad situation, but I, I don't think he's the answer there. Craig Brubay's never really had the answer. Jeremy Colleton in Chicago, who is clearly not doing what he was brought in to do. And, of course, Willie Desjardins, who took over from John Stevens in L.A. Oh, man, all these these three coaches you just named, all three of them are on the interim. So all three of them are replacing coaches who just got fired this well, season. Well, all, no, Jeremy Colleton took over after way after. He, he was the start of the season in Chicago. Yeah, but... Uh, no, uh, yeah, but Quenville was still Quenville was fired like ten games. Oh, was he? Quenville okay. was fired ten yep. games into the season. Okay. So was Stevens, and uh, the oh, the guy for the Blues was Mike Yo. Yeo. Yeah, Mike yeah, Yeo. he got fired pretty early too. Well, I, I mean that's the thing. I guess like we talked about Hitchcock, but he's up, up after them the year anyways. I don't think he's really a hot seat candidate. If he gets fired, he gets fired. I mean, I don't know. There's too many coaches right now that aren't succeeding, but these guys definitely aren't. I mean, what about uh, what's his name in Ottawa? Guy Boucher. Yeah. Is Ottawa doing as bad as you expected them to do? I don't think so. I I mean, they got to the final last year, but I mean, still, I mean, they... Two years ago. Or two years ago, I'm sorry, 2017. Mm -hmm. But um, the team has, was it the second lowest points allowed, like scored, and they have the most points allowed on them? Yeah. I mean, maybe. The Florida coach. Should definitely uh, be on the hot boy. seat. Uh, who is it now? I can't even remember his name. Uh, let me see. Yeah, please, uh, fact, hashtag blackjack. Chris, didn't you also predict before the season started that Florida was going to win the cup or at least have um, the most points? Well, that's no longer on record, but I did have a a small lapse when I said the Florida Panthers would have uh, hot take. Bob, hot take: Barkov's winning the Oh, Bob, <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, Bob Bogner. That's who it was. Bob Bogner. Uh, Bob Bogner. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> It's Oof. terrible. Yeah, it, it's not great. Um, I mean, honestly, it, there, there's not too many coaches who are underperforming. I think there's a lot of coaches overperforming, like uh, I was at Glenn Gullitson in Calgary. I don't think anybody predicted them to be this good. They're always contenders, but... Wait, isn't there a coach in Calgary, Bill Peters? No, Bill Peters pretty sure is in... Do you think Glenn Gullitson get fired? Bill Peters is in Calgary. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I remember yeah. Gullitson getting yeah, fired. Yeah, I'm not great with coaches. Uh... I mean, it's okay. I lose track too. It's all right. <laughs> and it's a I'm, constant carousel. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, um, the, the, the one I'm not gonna lie, I had Phil, I had a no, I had John Cooper on the hot seat after the loss to the Capitals in the you know East what? Final. I actually, I could go with that one too, because 
Tampa year after year is a contender, but they always struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that like I, I mean, like I, I don't want to sound like my expectations are too high, but it's like with the talent you have on this roster, you should at least have a Stanley Cup by now. No, that, that I feel like I. I truly think be in the Stanley Cup Finals every year. There's I, no excuses. I truly Absolutely think with no the talent he has around him, he like the team should be a lot better than it's been. Granted, this year's year they finally look like the team they should be. But I feel like Cooper is the, the one to maximize talent because he picks his favorites too. Like he ran, uh, he he ran San Luis out of town. He ran uh, uh, Druin out of town. Hell, he never played Druin. Right. I mean, too, um, another coach, like, I, I, honestly, I didn't think about this. It's a good point, though, with Cooper. Um, look at Barry Trotz in Washington. Like, if you remember that clip from when he played Columbus, he said, I'm gone, I'm gone, regardless, I'm gone. Like, he knew that whether or not he won the cup, that the highest amount of success you can get in the NHL is winning a cup. He was out of town because he didn't have previous success. I think John Cooper's got to do it this year, or, I mean, maybe it's time for a change. I've always personally thought John Cooper was a bit of a moderate coach with a good team. So I don't think he was an elite yeah, coach. The, yeah. The, the, the team, opinion. like, l- let's be honest. The team is good because of Steve Eiserman, not because of John Cooper. Right, and it's going to continue being good because of Julian Brissois, not Steve, not uh, John Cooper. And because, like, Steven Stamkos and, and Nikita Kucherov, they were good way before John Cooper was in the picture. And they'll be good after. Yeah. Um, so the one thing we're going to wrap up on is, uh, obviously this week in the NHL news, the really only... I mean, most notable thing that came out is Rick Nash retiring. Unfortunately, prematurely due to uh, some post-concussion symptoms that are lingering. Uh, you hate to see it. I mean, Rick Nash, is, he was good for Team Canada. Always seemed to perform in the clutch. You think about Columbus, he's the, I'm pretty sure he's the franchise's all-time leading goal scorer. And then he came to the Rangers. Yes. He was good there. I mean, unfortunately for Rick Nash, and even in Boston, he performed in the playoffs. Yeah, he, like, when he came to Boston, he made a very, very good second line. I complimented the first line very well. I mean, unfortunately for him, his career ends kind of unenigmatically for uh, definitely somebody who's an icon in Canada. I think about, like, what was he, 2006 like, or something like that in, in the Canada gold medal game. He was big. He's, he, he's an icon in Canada. And, I mean, unfortunately, I, I think he... Maybe not being a Hall of Famer as well. I think. But I really think if he was able to play like a like maybe like three or four more seasons, he could yeah. have made it because he would have definitely break in the thousand point uh, barrier. For sure. I mean, Rick Nash. Unfortunately, like I said, I said it time to time again. It's unfortunate that he has to retire, but um, you know, hopefully he. Yeah. I mean, he, at the end of the day, your health comes first. Ho- exactly. Ho- hopefully he recovers. Oh, always comes first. Yeah, I oh, hope. Hopefully he does recover, and I think Rick Nash. He's always been a guy who sort of. You talk about good players who typically don't make good coaches. I think Rick Nash would be a good coach, or at very least a good front office guy. Um, I honestly think he might have GM potential. Like, you look at former players who be a GM, Steve Eiserman, Joe Sakic. Rick Nash just has that hockey IQ that not every good player has. You know, I, I really do think Rick Nash is going to be in hockey for a while. Yeah, I mean, he's not even entertaining the idea of even coming back as a free agent after everything's said and done. So, I mean, for all we know, he might not even... Well, no, no, he, it, it, it just came out this week. Oh, he, he retired. Like, well, he, yeah, he's formally done yeah. now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, I mean, that's, I mean, obviously, that's kind of it. Um, one thing I did want to get to non-hockey related today before we wrap is the, obviously, the baseball situation going on with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Uh, yesterday, the Yankees went out and signed DJ LeMahieu from the Rockies. Uh, two years, $24 million. 
basically rules them out of the Machado sweepstakes. Um, so, and the Phillies are meeting with Bryce Harper this morning. Actually, as we're doing the podcast, he's uh, sorry they're meeting in Vegas, but meeting with the Phillies. Um, Bryce Harper potentially there are White Sox. Machado potentially the White Sox or Phillies as well. Uh, honestly, this is a big situation. Anybody with any thoughts on that? So, w- so wait, there's a chance both of them are going to the White Sox and the Phillies. I mean, Machado less for the Phillies, but <laughs> they could have a tremendous impact oh, on the Phillies. Oh my! The G- uh, the owner or GM something like that of the Phillies came out this uh, this offseason and said they're going to spend quote stupid money. So, oh, that's wow. uh, nine times out of ten, that's never a good decision. No. I mean, just look at the Dolphins after they signed the Dominican Sue. Yeah, I mean, any other thoughts on the Harper Machado situation? I'm glad the Yankees are out of it. I finally get to stop caring about it. They need to just make a decision. And it's, uh, one, you know, it's, it's yeah, they're definitely milking this, the situation for as oh, long absolutely. as they can. They love the attention. I mean, just like what LeBron James did with the the decision. The decision. Ooh. Now. Um, one other bit of baseball news I, I just realized as well. So arbitration started I just recently. Two big names uh, signed before arbitration are Jacob deGrom, who signed the second largest arbitration deal for like $17 million, I think. Very well deserved. Absolutely. And the I believe the biggest arbitration settlement, Mookie Betts with the Boston Red Sox for $20 million. That's a huge chunk of change for arbitration. So and I, I deserves it. Absolutely. Right. I don't really follow many, baseball that much. And what, what, what do you mean with, uh, like, how, how is this arbitration? So arbitration like? uh, at the end of a season. Uh, this is for anybody who, who listens to the show that doesn't know baseball as well. Arbitration um, starts, it's basically any player who's played less than six seasons in the MLB as a, as a major league player um, who's also, like, under the age of 25 is arbitration eligible. And arbitration just means they, it's almost like an RFA in hockey. So it means that they have rights to these players before anybody else. No, they can choose not to um, uh, basically sign the arbitration sheet, uh, and they can just let them walk. But you go to an independent, uh, basically like a sports lawyer, and they'll say, you, know, you present your case. The team will present one case for why the player should make less, and the player will present a case for why they should make more. And that's arbitration in a nutshell. So for anybody who didn't know. Um, any other thoughts on that? So with that, I think that's going to do it for our first episode here of Daft Picks. We want to thank uh, Ben, who was here earlier on the show. Uh, obviously, Gito and Penny for calling in. They're um, of course they're going to be one of the main t- uh, couple hosts on the show, as well as the guys in this room as well. Um, you know, th- these guys on the comms are going to be two of the main hosts. You'll hear them almost every episode, I'm sure, uh, calling in, obviously. And, uh, I mean, obviously, we just want to say thank you all for listening to it. The next episode will be recorded not next week, but the week after. It'll be the pre-Super Bowl episode. We're talking a little bit about the uh, Super Bowl predictions. Obviously, by then, we're going to know who's, you know, there. And uh, a couple other things. Maybe we'll have some resolution to the baseball. Talk a little bit about the um, the NHL again. And uh, after that, the we're going to call it the Ducks on the Pondcast episode with baseball completely centered around the pitchers and catchers reporting, everything else. So get excited. Thank you all for listening to the Daft Picks podcast, and uh, we'll see you back here next time.